Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-hosts, Shelton's very own Tyler Pachoki, and of course, our co-host, producer extraordinaire, running the board, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to rate and review the show. That really helps us out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler won't be able to make it tonight, but Jacob is back here with me in studio. We got your NFL Week 13 preview as teams really start to make their push for the playoffs. We'll also talk about some new faces and new places as we finally recap the NBA head coaching carousel now that we are less than one month away from the beginning of the regular season and some breaking news right before we started recording. Russell Westbrook has been traded to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a protected first round pick in 2023. So all that and more on episode 171 of the TSK show coming up right now. Yo, what is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 171 of the Sports Kingdom show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. Tyler is not going to be able to make it tonight, but sitting across from me on the board, our co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Welcome back, Jacob. How was your Thanksgiving, man? It was good. Man, this year I promised myself I wasn't going to eat a lot, and I stuck to that promise, which is good. Only one plate. So you only had one plate? Only one plate, yeah, and that was oh, enough. No, I, was no, so, no. I was so full. But I, then I had leftovers the next day, so I made up for it. How many days did you have leftovers? Um, This year I could only stand two, so Friday, Saturday, and then I was done by Sunday. I didn't even want to look at yams, turkey, nothing like that. Okay, okay, all right. Well. But I put the leftovers to good use, so. Yeah, no, I got to about Saturday. And then that's it, right? Yeah. Pull the plug? Yeah. I think you could probably go maybe as late as Monday, depending on what you have left over, but. Yeah, but some of we'll that see. stuff doesn't sit well. And if you still have it right now, you got to throw that crap away. Oh, if you have it now, please get rid of it. Yeah, that, trash. That, there's probably mold in your Tupperware. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean uh, Thanksgiving was uh, it was fun, but I, I mean it was it was nice. It was quiet. I, I had to work. You had to work. It's so. a little a little different this year, I think. Obviously, yeah. um, but it was great to watch two games. We could have been three. Obviously, one of them was played later on. But Literally, one of them was played earlier today. Exactly. Um, but it was so good to watch two games and, you know, sit around, have some family, have some good food. So yeah. that's always a good tradition. Yep. So, all right, before we preview week 13 in the NFL, I got to let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by J Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com DRE number 020-68311 I'm just about that action boss You play to win the game Hello? You play to win the game That's why we took the damn field I'm just here so I won't be a fan Great cash homie But they are who we thought they were And we left them off the hook That's as good an effort as 
I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Wilson toward the end zone. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. It's my quarterback. All right, week 13 in the NFL is here. After this week, we got three more weeks until the beginning of the playoffs. So, uh, like I said, Tyler isn't here, so we don't have his power rankings for this week, unfortunately. But we are still going to do the picks of the week. And before we get into the picks of the week, I have to tell you about Fitness Ablaze Training Center. Located in Olympia, Washington, Fitness Ablaze Training Center provides clients with professionally designed fitness and or nutrition programs. They have programs for all ages, athletic ability, and for anyone interested in improving their overall performance and quality of life. Program options include personal training, semi-private training, team group training, nutrition coaching, and online slash remote coaching. TSK Show listeners can get either a seven-day free trial or 30% off your first month of training just by mentioning TSK Show. Enter promo code TSK Show at fitnessablaze.com to get either a seven-day free trial or 30% off your first month of training. That's promo code TSK Show at checkout from fitnessablaze.com. All right, Jacob, week 12 has come and gone. Week 13 is here, but let's go back. How did you do in uh, week 12? What is your overall record? We don't have Tyler's this week, unfortunately, but uh, what did you end up with and where where do you stand currently overall on the season? Man, week 12 was great for me. Overall, 12 and 4. Oh, and really? Then, yeah, it was it was great. Okay. So I could have had a little bit wiggle room right there. We could have won 12 and 3, but the damn Patriots game didn't go in my favor. But overall, 11, um, 116 and 61. That's overall. And then for 116 and 61. Yeah, 116 and 61. Okay, all right. And then yeah, for that week, 12 and four. I went 12 and four as well, and then I am 117 and 60. Does that make sense? Yeah, like that doesn't make sense. Mm. 117 and 60. You're at 116 and 61. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, we think, should yeah, be, that we makes sh- sense. We should be good because me and Tyler were ahead, right? Me and him were tied or ahead of you. Yeah. And, and then so, I jumped you guys last week. So you're about a game behind right now. That makes sense. No, I'm a game up still. You're a game up still. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I'm at 117 yeah, and 60. So. See, you can't do basic math. All right. No, this is why we were journalism exactly. majors. But all right, let's let's uh, let's get into the picks of the week. We got no Thursday game, obviously, because there was a game earlier today. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens, they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. It got postponed to today because of covid so that concluded week 12 no thursday game so we'll start with the sunday slate the first matchup we got is the new orleans saints coming in at nine and two they're going to atlanta to take on the four and seven falcons new orleans they beat denver uh they're in first place of their division and atlanta they dominated the oakland raiders at home so which it was, was very su- surprising to see. Yes. I could again. I think I could have went twelve and two. That was another game that I picked. fourteen and two. Fourteen and two. Yeah, sorry, fourteen and two. If that game would have gone my way, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't have the Falcons winning that game against the Raiders, but I have them upsetting the New Orleans Saints. 
I think this is the perfect matchup or the perfect game really for Atlanta to win. Drew Brees is out for the Saints. They do have Taysom Hill at quarterback, and I'm I'm sorry my boy Austin Ratbaum is going to be upset with me picking Atlanta over New Orleans this week, but I think this is the perfect opportunity for Atlanta to sneak out a victory. They didn't have Julio Jones last week against the Raiders. He could make his return this week. And, I mean, listen, him and Matt Ryan are still an explosive combination. They got Calvin Ridley. They got some other uh, receiving weapons. And then they got Todd Gurley in the backfield. Uh, so, I mean, they've had a tough go of it uh, this season with having to fire Dan Quinn and their GM. But um, with uh, Raheem Morris, they got, uh, they've been able to, to get it going a little bit here. So I got the Falcons winning that game. Jacob, what about you? Uh, this one, this one is tough because yeah, you don't have breeze if you're the saints and if you're the Falcons, again, you've had a tough season, a tough go at it, like you've said, and they have tweaked some of their issues, but I, I still got to go with the saints though. I just trust them. I trust Peyton and just the system that he has for them. I think even without breeze, I think they can still pull this one out. All right. The next matchup we got is the Detroit lions coming in at four and seven, they are going to Chicago to take on the five and six Chicago Bears. Detroit lost on Thanksgiving, but uh, they finally fired Matt Patricia and their GM. Uh, Chicago, they're going to have Mitch Trubisky start uh, again this week. They had him start against Green Bay and they got crushed. I believe head coach Matt Nagy's days are numbered. So uh, I think Detroit wins this game. I think that with the firing of Patricia and the GM, I think there's going to be some new breath. Uh, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like a burden lifted off of, I think, the the team's shoulders. I think Patricia was honestly holding him back. I don't think he was the right coach for the job. I don't understand why they got rid of Jim Caldwell in the first place when he was having decent success there uh, to begin with. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I think Detroit wins this game. I think Chicago is a complete mess with what's going on at quarterback. And and like I said, I think Matt Nagy's days are numbered. So I got Detroit winning. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. For for the Lions, it didn't you didn't really know what was going on with their team as far as what was their, their dysfunction. But it seems like a lot of it came from the play calling because Stafford has had a solid season. It's just I just think that he hasn't had the right system so far. So yeah, and I can't bet on the Bears because I don't. One week full starts, another week Trubisky starts. So I don't know who the hell is who. So I got to go with Detroit as well. All right, the next matchup we got is the Cleveland Browns coming in at eight and three. I I, I will repeat that the Cleveland Browns are eight and three. They're in second place in their division. Obviously, they got the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers sitting in first place uh, ahead of them. But they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by two points over the weekend. They are going to Tennessee to also take on the 8-3 and three Titans. The Titans are in first place. They beat the Indianapolis Colts by 19. And it was behind another monster game from Derrick Henry. And so this game is very interesting to me because, I mean, given recent history, and I'll take out last year from the Titans and and basically count that as a um an enigma i wouldn't have expected the browns and the titans both to be eight and three and like in the hunt for the playoffs if you were to 
tell me all of the recent history that these two teams have gone through, you know? No, yeah, if this was last year, I would have thought you were lying. Right, and the Titans barely snuck into the playoffs last year. It, yeah. They did have to go. It was behind that monster run. It was it, all because of D- uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah. But, but even still, though, you take that away, they're not that magnificent. Right, I mean, Tannehill, he, he's enough to to win you the game, but he could also definitely lose you the game. Oh, big time. And the same could easily be said about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I don't even have to talk about the Browns on that part. <laughs> like, they're, they're a complete mess, or they were a complete mess a year ago, and it seems more or less this year they've kind of put together some kind of solid consistency to get them there in this position. Well, I think that, I mean, they do have a first-year head coach, so it is a new system, but they have had a two-headed running back monster in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb since uh, Chubb came back from injury and Hunt came back from suspension and all of that. They're both getting like 100 yards plus per game in the in the running game each. So it's like, that's great. And then when you have, I know OBJ is hurt right now. I know, but I was just about to say that. What if you factor him in into this equation? Well, does it bring up the question of, is he the problem? Yeah, because before it was, was uh, Baker the problem. Right, and I and I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying OBJ is the problem because I don't think he is the problem. I think it's been a mixture of things in well, Cleveland. I don't think I personally don't think he's the issue. Yeah, he has the ego and stuff like that. But if you look at New York right now, they're a complete train wreck too. So I don't. Well, think no, he, New York's in first place. So that, well, but they're I in still the NFC I still East. think yeah, that's the NFC lease as we always say on this show. <laughs> but they're still a, a they're still a train wreck as well. So I don't think he's the issue per se. I just think maybe the combination of him and Baker might not work together, and he might be the odd man out because it looks like Baker's succeeding without him. Yeah, and, I mean, there were rumors that there were the Browns were trying to trade him before the season started, so it'll be interesting now to see what happens with him coming off an injury. But coming back to this game, I have actually Cleveland upsetting i don't know if you can consider it an upset but i think because they're the road team you can consider it an upset i i have cleveland upsetting tennessee at home uh to move to nine and three i think that miles garrett coming off of the covid list and him returning to that defense i think cleveland is going to be able to figure out a way to stop derrick henry so that that's really my thing is i think cleveland will find a way to neutralize derrick henry and get the win but on the other hand it's the Browns and Baker Mayfield could do plenty to lose them the game. See, that's the thing. When I bet on the Browns or against them, I always have to think: is this they a only, week? Is this a week that Baker's going to be on? They or only off? beat Jacksonville by two. Yeah, so that that to me is not very convincing. So this week, I think that he's going to be off. So I got to go with the Titans. Okay. Well, speaking of Jacksonville, uh, they're going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Jacksonville is one in ten. The Vikings are five and six. Jacksonville lost by two to Cleveland, like we said. Minnesota beat the Panthers on a late touchdown by Kirk Cousins, and then Carolina missed the game-winning field goal. So uh, Minnesota ends up getting the victory. I got Minnesota winning for the second week in a row. Jacob, what about you? I'm taking the Vikings, too. I think, again, they've had like a, a weird year for me, too, just for watching them. They've beaten teams they probably shouldn't have beaten. But, then they've, but also they've also lost the teams, teams they shouldn't have. Exactly. So, yeah, I took the words right out of my mouth. But <laughs> I got to go with Minnesota, though. All right, the the next matchup is the Las Vegas Raiders coming in at 6 and 5. They're going to take on the winless New York Jets at 0 and 11. The Raiders, we talked about uh them losing to Atlanta already. Uh they got crushed. I think that is a 
bad, bad beat. That's a big blow for them because for the Raiders. But they lucked out because they get to play the Jets this weekend, and I think they'll bounce back. Uh, yeah, the but Jets, then it's even that much more worse if you lose to them. Well, I don't think they're going to lose. I don't think so either, but you never know. It's the NFL. Yeah. So, I mean, the Jets, they're the lone winless team still. They lost to Miami. Who who the hell knows what's going on up there? But, uh, all right, the next matchup we got is the Indianapolis Colts coming in at 7-4. and four. They're going to Houston to take on the Texans, who – are coming into this game at four and seven. The Colts, they lost to Tennessee. They are in second place in the AFC South. And then the Houston Texans, they're coming off a win on Thanksgiving. But they got some bad news. Their number one wide receiver, Will Fuller, was suspended for six games for taking a banned substance. And then also their cornerback, Bradley Roby, was suspended six games for taking a banned substance. So the Texans are down bad after DeAndre Hopkins gets traded. Then Bill, Bill, Bill O'Brien gets fired midseason. And now they've lost their number one receiver again to a suspension and one of their members of their secondary to a suspension for the rest of the season and one game next season. So Will Fuller, it really sucks for him, I think. But, I mean, you got to know what you're putting in your body. And, I mean, he's suspended the rest of the season this season. He is suspended one game next season. He is having a career year this year and is set to become a free agent and was set to get a big payday this offseason. And now I think it's all going to go down the drain because he'll be suspended for one game next year. And, I mean, when when you get suspensions like this, it taints your legacy. It, no, it really does. And for this Texans team, though, they, they just couldn't have, come at a worse time. It, it, this is a worse time because, in my opinion, I felt like they were rolling a little bit. I know they had a sluggish start, but I saw I thought they were starting to pick up a little bit of momentum. And so was Watson. You you really started seeing him kind of get it going. But this, I think, this is a tough blow. And again, you can you can't take away how they started their season because they did have the tough schedule out of any other team I saw. Yeah. But then you factor in this stuff, and it makes it that that much more worse. So. I think on this one, I gotta take the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I I got the Colts win in this game. If you don't, if you if you don't have any of the suspensions, I think I go with Watson and the Texans. But I think they just have so much going on other than football right now. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. But all right, the next matchup we got <sighs> the Los Angeles Rams coming in at seven and four. Well, why do you gotta say it with a sigh? Are you not? Not confident in this uh, in this matchup against the Cardinals. I'm still mad about Sunday, Jacob. I'm still mad about Sunday because it just a absolutely this, disgusting loss. Be, be, before we even highlight this, because this is an N- NF, uh, NFC West matchup, but that NFC West though is just so wild. You have one team beating another team that should probably beat this it's, team, but loses to chair, that team. It's musical that's chairs exactly at the what, top. This is, this is exactly what it is. I mean, that's that's what it's been for the last three years, really. It's it's great to see because it's competitive, but it's also annoying if you're a fan of the Rams. <laughs> if you're a fan the, of any of these if teams. any of these teams, yeah, it's just hard to watch because it's like for the Rams, you beat the Seahawks, great win, but you can't beat the Niners, who are dismantled. And the way that they lost, well, nobody wants to lose like that. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, Jared Goff is a turnover machine, and. I mean, I know Sean McVay said that there wasn't any discussion of benching him, and I get why. Our backup is John Wolford. I don't even know who the fuck John Wolford is. It it wouldn't make sense to bench him. But 
we've we've said on on this show here. I know I've said it, and I know you have. This team goes when Jared Goff goes. Yeah. If the offense is not flowing because of him, you can't blame Sunday's loss to the 49ers on the defense. No. They did their job. Yeah. They did their job. The the turnovers racking up, that's 100% his fault. Like he has he has had these great wins. He's had these great almost comeback wins against the Bills. I think it was in week week 3. This game against the 49ers was very very reminiscent of that Bills game earlier this season. But see that Bills game, they had a fight in them. I don't know what's going on with this kind of a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just shouldn't lose. No, they to didn't. A team they like didn't this. have any fight. No, 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 no. And that's the thing. If you look at some of their wins where they've lost by three or maybe by ten points, you know, close, close in margin, it doesn't look like they're there. It looks like they're lazy, especially when they lost to the Dolphins. Holy crap! That game, Goff was horrible, dropping, uh, um, couldn't hit people. You could just tell like the offense wasn't flowing with him. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's just it's just tough to watch him when he's when he's not there. But you know, when when he's on though, it's it's a beauty to watch because then that offense flows perfectly and then the defense can kind of adjust. Yeah. It's it's just for me it's been very frustrating as a fan to watch because it's like the team had all this success. They got to the Super Bowl the, a couple of years ago and they they laid a complete egg in the Super Bowl, and then it's just been downhill from there. I mean, nobody was expecting this team to to come into the this game last weekend against San Francisco at seven and three. They weren't expecting the the team to be that good. And to be fair, and now it's like, all right, they're playing to that level to where they're seven and three, and it's like, all right, they beat. Yes, they had an easy schedule and they played the NFC East, but they also have beaten teams they they needed to beat. They needed to beat uh, Chicago because that was a team they could have potentially seen down the road at the time, given Chicago's record when they played. They beat Tampa Bay, a team that they are probably going to see in the playoffs, given their record. They beat Seattle, a division opponent that they needed to get for the tiebreaker for first place in the division. So it's like... But then you lose twice to the Niners and then also to Miami. Right. And Buffalo. And Buffalo. A, a team who is on the cusp, which a lot of people will argue, right. and are they, they could good have easily, or not? They could know? have easily won that Buffalo game. So it's it's been very frustrating to watch this, this Rams team because I feel like we don't know which team is going to show up each week. No, you don't. And that's, that's the tough part. When I make these picks uh, to go with the Rams or against them, it's. I always have to look at the matchup, and this one's tough too because the Cardinals are a great team. Right. And again, you mentioned the musical chairs of this division. The same thing happens with the Cardinals. They've beaten teams that they probably shouldn't have, and they've lost to bad teams too. And they should have beat this Patriots team, but they lost on a, a game-winning field goal. Exactly. But the one thing I do want to point out, though, I didn't think the Rams were going to be this solid this year, so I got to give them that credit. And, and that's great. You take this credit now, and then you use it. But they have not used this, though. Yeah. So it's, I mean, this game against Arizona is huge for the Rams. I have them winning, but I mean, it's, I'm, I'm it's, honestly it's not very confident tough. going into this game. No, I, I picked them, but right before I picked them, though, I said, mm, I thought about it and then I went with them. Yeah. So, all right, I got the Rams. You got the Rams. The next matchup we got is the New York Giants coming into this game. At four and seven, they're going west to take on the Seattle Seahawks coming into this game at eight and three. 
the Giants, they beat the Bengals over the weekend. They are now sitting in first place in the NFC East. Like I said, they're four and seven in their in first place. Such a horrible di- division to watch. <laughs> oh man. So they they got to take on the Seahawks who beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football uh just two nights ago. Seahawks, they're sitting in first place in the NFC West. But the game against the Eagles, I think I was expecting a little bit more from the Seahawks, I think. I was I was expecting more of a a dominant performance, I think, over a lesser Eagles team. And with the way that the Eagles started the game, I thought that Seattle was going to take advantage of that, and they never really did. They didn't. I got to give credit, though, to the – I don't know who – actually, I don't even know you who – You can't I would give, give credit, credit to Philadelphia to no, for what's going on I, I really there. can't. I just thought about that. I think it was more of a sluggish performance by Seattle just on the offensive end. Yeah, DK had a good game. Um, oh, and can we – I know Tyler's not here, and I'm. I wish he was, but um, I don't think he'd say that DK is Megatron yet. No, I don't know, but he's a hell of a receiver. He's though. a hell of a receiver, but he he's not Calvin Johnson no, just yet. No, folks. but can we please slow that conversation down? I I didn't make those comparisons. I, I know, know you, I, I, I know you're talking about somebody else, but that's not not even some not. I mean, and I'm not saying Tyler was saying that either. I'm just saying that's been the talk. Yeah, in, that's been the talk. I don't think he's that. I'm not comparing him because I sometimes hate comparisons, but. This guy's a hell of an athlete, though. Oh yeah, no DK DK Metcalf is one of a kind. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. He he put on his own little clinic in this game, and it was fun to watch it. But I do agree, it was almost boring at a point watching this game because I want the Seahawks to blow this team out because you see Philadelphia, what kind of a year they've had, uh, what kind of stats Carson Wentz is putting up, and that whole atrocity at that position. And I think, again, maybe I think you can start him game, fully. But I think they started the game with. I believe it was three or four straight three and out drives. Jeez. Not, it, he was sacked, what, six times, seven times yeah, in that game? So, again, you, you take a look at all of his horrible stats throughout the year and just what a mess that team is, and you're thinking, Seattle needs to blow this team out. But that does not happen. They barely win. Right. And so, I mean, that's – as someone who, if the Rams – like, when the Rams weren't in L.A., the few years that I knew Tyler and all the guys from Washington, I would like root for the Seahawks when we were watching the games together. So it was like, I, if the Rams aren't doing well, I want the Seahawks to do well because I mean, I also have family in Washington. So it's like, I have a connection to the Pacific Northwest and it's like them not being able to put away a team like the Eagles, the way they should have, that worries me for the playoffs, and especially with the way that their secondary and the defense has been playing, giving up so many points per game this season, that worries me come playoff time to it, basically if they can make a run to the Super Bowl because I think that there are other teams in the NFC that can put up a lot of points, and that's going to be a concern, I think, come playoff time for the Seahawks. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because earlier in the year they were shutting these teams down. Same thing with well, the, with Russell the was looking. Russell was looking like an MVP candidate. Yeah. Then he started turning the ball over. Exactly. So, t- in my opinion, between him and Rodgers, those are my two MVP candidates. Well, I think Derrick Henry needs to well, he's, start getting put into that conversation. I think, I think he's back. Yeah, he's in that conversation now. But at least, for, at least for the NFC, I've always had uh, Wilson and Rodgers so far this year. Just the way they started the year off. So far, it hasn't looked so good now for both of them. They've kind of had some shaky uh, last couple games. You know, you can throw the Packers in there as well. 
But you bring up a, gr- a great point with Wilson, though. That secondary is a little bit shaky, too. And he's kind of not struggled, but I think there's just a couple mistakes here he needs to tweak up. If you're going to tighten these things up before the playoffs. No, this is the time yeah, to do this it. This is no better time. So, Especially I mean. Especially against the Giants. Yeah. No, so we, we got the Seahawks uh, winning that game. The next one we got is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, like we just mentioned, they're coming into this game against the Green Bay Packers at 3-7 and seven and 1. Uh, I have a typo in my notes. They, they have a tie this year, right? Uh, the Eagles do. Yes, they're 3-7-1. They and suck, one. and they went with that stupid yeah. field goal. I think it was against Washington, I want to say. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but they're taking on the 8-3 and three Green Bay Packers. The Eagles, they lost to Seattle on Monday Night Football. And then the Packers, they crushed the Chicago Bears like they should have. I got Green Bay winning this game uh, pretty easily. I think that they'll put <laughs> I, away. I, I hope they. it's easy. I don't want another repeat of the Seattle Eagles game. Yeah, so, all right, the next matchup we got is the New England Patriots coming off that game-winning field goal against the Arizona Cardinals. They're coming here to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers, who are coming in at 3-8. and eight. They lost by 10 to Buffalo. I got the Patriots winning this game. I'm not really sure what Anthony Lynn is doing. He it's tough for some, him right now. He had some questionable calls, though, uh, both with timeouts and play calls. And clock management uh, in the game against Buffalo, so it's for for him the clock is ticking. Oh, it's ticking quickly. I, I know, I know you can't blame him for the injuries. That's that's not his fault. That's something you can't control. But as far as the play calling for some of these games, because he's had a couple of these games that were, you know, a decision here or there away from a win, and yeah. and you can blame that on him for sure. Yeah. So I mean, I think this game, although. Justin Herbert is a great young quarterback. I think this game is ultimately going to come down to coaching, and I'm taking Bill Belichick every time. Yeah, I can't imagine why you'd go against him. Yeah, so I got the Patriots winning this game. So do you. The next matchup we got is a matchup in the AFC West. We got the Denver Broncos coming in at 4-7. and seven. They're going to Kansas City to take on the 10-1 and one Chiefs. The Broncos, they lost to New Orleans. They didn't have any quarterbacks for this game. Uh, they had to start some wide receiver on the practice squad who was a quarterback in college i think his what was his name kenny hilton yeah he was a qb in college well yeah. he played it in college and then they they, they were trying him out at a receiver i believe yeah. but that was his name right kenny yeah. hilton mm-hmm. um yeah so i mean props to him getting a chance to play in an nfl game i guess but he didn't really do well, much. It didn't really go their way. Let's just put it that way. No, it was not pretty for them. And it's not going to go well this week either. No, but they should get their their regular quarterbacks back for this game against Kansas City. The Well, their their quarterback shouldn't be dumbasses hanging out together. <laughs> well, they like weren't that. hanging out together. They requested to go to the facility to watch some film, but some cameras in the facility showed them for about 15, 20 minutes or so in a closed room with no masks. Well, and yeah, so you know what you know what a time we live in now. So. Yes, we do. And I mean, listen, the fact that the NFL is making it to week thirteen and has yet to add a week eighteen or had to cancel a week, I think it's unbelievable. Well, this was the longest week twelve. Well, the longest. Yeah. We'll get to the, we'll get to that in a minute. But this matchup between the Broncos and the and the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs beat Tampa Bay by three. Uh, I don't think the score of that game was really indicative of how the game went. Tyreek Hill had 13 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns in that game. I think he had over 200 yards in the first quarter. 
it I, well, I, have I know him, he had some insane stat at the half. Yeah, I have him on my fantasy team uh, in two leagues. And one league I lost even with him because I was going up against Derrick Henry and some other guys oh. that got 20-plus points each. So it was a bad week in fantasy for me, but that's besides the point. Um, I mean, Ty, Ty Freak is a freak. That, that's why we call him Ty Freak. And I, I love watching him play. He's so short but so explosive, though. That's why they call him Cheetah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so amazing to watch him play. That's why the Chiefs, yeah, I love watching Mahomes play too, which is funny because after that game, I don't know if you saw, but he mentioned something about Mahomes saying that when he first came to that team that he thought he was trash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, who's, th- who's this guy over here? But then he started seeing his arm and his accuracy. <laughs> look at look at them now. Yeah. That's the, Perfect. That's the Paul Rudd. Yeah, a, hey, look at us. Match match made in heaven. Yeah, look at us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I got, I got Kansas City winning this game pretty easily. They're, they're a much better team than Denver at this point. Uh, it's it's a no brainer for me. Oh oh same yeah I mean to me that wasn't even a, a question that's why okay. you pointed to me I was like oh I got the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so two Monday night games this week. Like we said, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. It then got postponed to Sunday. Sunday. And then it got postponed from Sunday to Tuesday. Jeez, they just kept moving it and moving it and moving it. And then on Monday, or it was Monday, it yeah. got postponed from Monday or from Tuesday to Wednesday. So they played Pittsburgh and Baltimore played at 3.40 Eastern time. So 12.40 in the afternoon here in Los Angeles, all because of... Yeah. NBC, who had the rights to the game on Thursday, so they kept the rights for this game whenever it got postponed to. What a reason to give up a game. They postponed or they did not want to push the Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting ceremony that is always shown on NBC for a game that was supposed to be primetime television on Thanksgiving night. When football is supposed to be king. And did you, by chance, see the tree? I'm not going to watch that crap. No. I thought maybe you had seen it because of where we work, because it might have popped up on a a story. I I read a story about it, but I wasn't going to watch it, though. It was the ugliest fucking tree I've ever seen. Well, that's because you also don't celebrate Christmas. Well, (laughs) You have a very biased opinion about that. That's completely besides the point. I can admire a nice Christmas tree. But that's one reason, though. Let's not... I can admire a nice tree. Let's be frank here. All right, fine. But they could have got a better-looking tree. Well, this all would have been solved if they either played it on Thursday or Sunday, and even Tuesday. Or postponed it to a week 18. Well, they, they could have moved it, I guess. They could have put that's, it this That's week, obviously the nuclear you know. scenario, but... I would have just played it Tuesday. Well, they, that had, way, they, that had, way, they had some more positive tests on Tuesday. They couldn't do it. Which, which sucks. COVID is ruining everything. But you don't play it Sunday, fine. Okay, you don't play it Tuesday because of, of COVID issues. Maybe do you move it to the next week or the, the you know week eighteen? But then the domino effect of having yeah. to move games because now we have a Tuesday night game this week. So before we get to the Tuesday night game, let's get back to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers game that we were supposed to be talking about. That's happening on Monday as the first 
uh, Monday night game. They're they're playing the Washington football team at home. The Washington football team they are four and seven. They crushed the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are the lone undefeated team still. They are eleven and zero. They beat Baltimore earlier today, on Wednesday, uh, because of a stupid fucking tree lighting ceremony at twelve forty in the afternoon. So weird to watch football at twelve. Yeah, I, I came into the studio at one point. And you had the game on, and I was like, "Oh, that's right." Yeah, I didn't even know there was football until I got a notification. Uh, but so the game itself between Pittsburgh and Baltimore was very sloppy, and I think that was what most people expected it to be, given these teams haven't practiced and. I haven't even brought up the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers players were fucking pissed oh, about uh, Juju was one of them who really I mean, voiced his opinion. A lot of them were voicing their opinions on social media and it's like they kind of have a valid point. They had their week 4 ruined and turned into a bye week when it was supposed to be I believe it was like week 7 or 8. And so they had their bye week early in the season because the Titans couldn't get couldn't get their shit together because of COVID. And then you have teams like Denver having to play with no quarterback, but Pittsburgh's game keeps getting moved because their opponent can't get their shit under control with COVID. And it turned out that Baltimore's strength and conditioning coach violated some protocols, and now he's been reprimanded by the team, and he's the reason why there was this major outbreak in Baltimore. So it's like Pittsburgh feels like they're getting screwed because their opponents can't get their shit together. Well, that that's exactly what it is because if you look at the if you look at the issue, they're not really the common denominator. Yeah, they get the the you know, the end of the stick per se because Oh well, yeah, they get the shit end of the yeah, stick. Yeah, they're they're playing all these teams who just they can't get it under control. So but, they so they have every right to be pissed about it. But they just keep giving everybody the middle finger and winning games. That's the thing is that yeah, as rough as this game was because you know there was no Lamar Jackson and then RG three looked great, then pulled a hammy, yeah, <laughs> and so and then his replacement threw a seventy yard touchdown to which is uh, Hollywood Brown, which was cool. Brown, yeah, and th- then it was close at the end, but then there was no way they were going to win that game, yeah. Um, but if you're the Steelers, you have every right to be mad because again, you mentioned it, F- football on Thanksgiving that is a tradition. You watch it. It is prime time, especially their game. It was supposed to happen. Cool. Maybe that's a you know a gut punch because they move it to Sunday, but now it's Sunday. Then it gets moved again. So how do you feel if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers? Pissed off. You're pissed. Yeah, because your games are supposed to be prime time. You're the only undefeated team in this league right now, and they keep getting screwed over. Exactly. So to me, I'm gonna go ahead and say whatever the hell I want to say if I'm them. Yeah, but. They just keep winning games, and they're going to win another game, and they're going to be 12-0 and because I think they're going to beat the Washington football team. It, it's you know, I have them winning too, but it's funny. I've looked at their their schedule of the remaining games. I don't know when they lose. I, I honestly haven't looked at it. Who do they play? I don't. Well, obviously, they play, they play Washington, but they play. On, I think me, it was, I'll bring it up. It Hold was the, the Cowboys um, is another game. But to me, this was the only matchup I thought they could have lost, and that was to Baltimore. All right, so and it was their remaining sloppy. so their remaining schedule is uh the Washington football team, the Bills in Buffalo. Uh next week is the next week after that is at Cincinnati, then at no. home versus the Colts, and then at home or at Cleveland. I think the Bills, the Colts and the Browns. Well, 
I'd say the Browns are the least likely out of those three to get. I don't know. That's a division game last week of the season. Depending M- maybe. on depending on if they're sick, fifteen and zero going into that game, do they rest some guys? Who knows? And then the Browns get a win, right? But I think all factors aside, though, the Colts and the Bills put up the biggest fight, and I think the yeah. Bills are probably the, your best bet to give them their first loss. I'd actually think the Colts with their defense, but I don't know. But yeah, again, I was looking at their at their schedule ahead. It was tough for me to say when they lose. Yeah. No, I mean, because they're going to have a... I was banking on on this game to be played on Thanksgiving, and I was banking on Lamar Jackson playing no COVID uh, outbreaks on the team, and I thought that the Ravens could pull this one out. Yeah. it's C- Considering how they lost their first matchup. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Pittsburgh the rest of the year, and if, I mean, it's all going to depend on if Ben Roethlisberger can stay healthy. But even if he's not healthy, he's going to try and go out there. So, so far he's looked good. I mean, he looks a little old at times, but he's looked pretty good this year. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna play till his body falls apart. But all right, the the next Monday night game is the Buffalo Bills coming in at eight and three. They're going to San Francisco to take on the five and six 49ers. The Bills beat the Chargers at home, and then the 49ers they beat the Rams on the road by three. They had Richard Sherman return, and he got an interception in his return. And then Raheem Morster, he also returned, and he got a touchdown in his return. So it was it was good for San Francisco to get some familiar faces back out on the field and making an, making an impact. But uh, I got Buffalo winning this game on the road. I think they're a better team than San Francisco. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got I, – I just have I'm very upset with San Francisco. Yeah, you well you're gonna bet on them uh or bet against them. But yeah, I have Buffalo winning this game too. It it is tough to say because the 49ers, as dismantled as they are, their their defense and their their secondary is still solid. Yeah. And they, they can still as you saw against if they the can, Rams. If they can force some turnovers against Buffalo, they I mean, could easily win the game. Yeah, they have a they have a chance at winning. So but they're still a great team. I think regardless of what's happened to them injury wise, you know, any COVID issues, they're still a good team, but I still got to go with Buffalo. Yeah. All right, the Tuesday game, Tuesday, uh, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I believe this was supposed to be the Thursday night game. Uh, it's the Dallas Cowboys coming in at 3-8. and eight. They got crushed by the Washington football team on Thanksgiving. They're going to Baltimore to take on the 6-4 and four Ravens. The Ravens, they lost to Pittsburgh earlier today, like we mentioned. Uh, Robert Griffin III started. Then he got hurt. His backup came in, made it a close game. Man, but that, I forgot how fast that guy was. He oh, had a, he had a run that he, even Shannon, they were coming back yeah, from break. Yeah, there was there was a couple of times where I was like, damn, I almost yeah. forgot how how explosive he was. Yeah, no. And then he, he, again, sucks to say that he pulled a hamstring. But. Yeah, but it, it was a sloppy game. I mean, neither of these teams got to practice oh, a lot. absolutely not. So it's it was just... Let's just say Wednesday football is not the NFL's cleanest football. So Well, it's not a traditional day, so no. <laughs> and neither is Tuesday. No. But I I got Baltimore winning this game. Um I just I think Dallas is a mess this year. Oh. See, I thought I thought Dallas was a mess, but then they won. Well, I think it was their last game. No, they got crushed on Thanksgiving. Oh, then there was their previous game that they won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? So but I I got to go with the Ravens though. Yeah. I don't think I'm picking them over uh, Baltimore. Yep. All right, only two teams on by. 
It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're seven and five. They lost by three to and Kansas City. They need that buy. Yes, they need that buy. There are rumors of tension between uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. So they they need a week off to figure out uh, some stuff and get them set for the playoff push. And then the Carolina Panthers coming in at eight and four. They are on the bye. They lost by one to the Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater was back, but still no Christian McCaffrey, so it's another week for him to get healthy. But it's looking like this season isn't going to end with an over 500 record for the Panthers. But, all right, uh, there was some breaking news in the NBA before we started recording, so uh, let's let's talk about that real quick. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Final seconds. You take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. All right, so I think it was probably about maybe an hour and a half or so, maybe two hours before we started recording. Uh, Woj dropped a bomb, a Woj bomb, and it was Russell Westbrook getting traded by the Houston Rockets to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a protected 2023 first-round draft pick. My initial thoughts on the trade were like, whoa. I thought a couple of weeks ago, it might have even been last week, the Washington Wizards GM came out and said that the Wizards were emphatically not trading John Wall. And then it was even a few weeks further back from that that there was rumored discussions between Houston and Washington for uh, a trade between the two teams for Russell Westbrook and John Wall. But then they couldn't come to an agreement, and then the talks never really result, uh, resumed after that. See, the confusing part, though, on the Wizards' end is that, yeah, they came out and said that they weren't shopping John Wall but then he wanted to be traded at one point, but then he didn't. Well, and then... That's the, where it gets the confusing. Talk, well, in the talks between Houston and Washington, they ultimately stopped. Yeah. And then because Washington th- this comes... Was, this wa- was a presumed trade earlier. Right. And then Washington comes out and says, all right, we're not trading John Wall. But then all of a sudden today, Houston's new GM and Washington's GM get on the phone, and then within a couple of hours, there's a deal done. See, that's where I'm confused. Yeah. But I'm not surprised, but I'm confused because Washington came out and and specifically said they weren't shopping John Wall. But if that's a previous GM... Well, no, no, no. Houston has a new GM. Yeah, well, well, that's what I mean. If that's a new GM for Houston, I I don't know what he he says, what he gives more, you know, what what kind of deal this is that he makes Washington, you know, agree to it. Right. And, I mean, only the fact that it... I mean, I guess it's different when it's John Wall and Russell Westbrook for each other, but only one draft pick 
being acquired by Houston from Washington, I think, is a little interesting. I, I'm surprised they didn't try and get a little more. Well, but you given mentioned the, it. You mentioned it before when we talked about potential trades for Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Drew Holiday made the price go up. Yeah, they were. Yeah, he he did. But if you were Houston, you were expecting a lot more from these teams, and you weren't going to get rid of Harden or Westbrook unless you got a lot in return. But given that these two guys, their salaries are close enough in nature to where you can trade straight See, yeah, up for them. That makes sense. And John Wall's coming off not playing basketball in realistically two years. So, I mean, it's... To me, ultimately, my initial thoughts just on paper right now the just a few hours after this trade has become official i think washington wins this trade because pairing russell westbrook who is coming off not his best year but a healthy year and a pretty good year and then bradley beal off of the year he had averaging over 30 points and still not making the all-star game being the first player in nba history to ever have that happen to him. The guy had two back-to-back 50-point games. Yes. So it's like that combo, I think, is better than the current Bradley Beal and John Wall combo, given what's happened with John Wall and his injuries. But John Wall, James Harden, and Boogie Cousins on a non-guaranteed contract in Houston, if Boogie and Wall are any shade of who they used to be before their injuries and are 100% healthy and stay healthy, Houston's going to be scary too. But right now, I got to say Washington is the winner. Yeah, they win this trade. And I do like the pairing of Westbrook and Beal better than I liked John Wall and Beal and even better than I liked Westbrook and Harden because I never liked that combination of Westbrook and Harden. Yeah, they were teammates in OKC, but once they were in Houston, you have two alpha dogs. Well, and Bradley Beal, he's going to be able to play off the ball with Russell Westbrook, and Russell will be able to handle the ball. Yeah. See, the issue last year was, one, you didn't have Wall, and Wall wasn't as explosive as Westbrook is. Yeah, he was pretty close to it. But now that pressure is off of Beal. So now Beal can do his thing, which what he was already doing last be, year. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Russell Westbrook averages another triple-double next, like this coming season. That yeah. starts in 20 days by the way. Well, I kind of looked at the roster, too. The roster needs some tweaking as well to kind of get them there. But with these two pieces in itself, I think you have a great team in the East. The East is already weak in itself. I think you have a playoff team. I wouldn't say a great yeah. team. I think they're I think they're fighting for a 6 to an 8th seed. So That's that's what it's looking like now. Yeah. But, but and go- Houston is still a playoff team, I think, with the John Wall and James Harden well, and all of that. That's, that's if James Harden stays, though. Right. See, That's right, a very good point. Right now, I didn't think he was going to get traded tonight, and James I, Harden could be gone in you know a couple weeks. I think the last two times we've talked about James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the show here, I think we've all, and Tyler included, I think we all agreed that Russell Westbrook and James Harden were going to start the season on the Houston Rockets roster. That That's what I thought. Yeah. See, again, the, the trade wasn't necessarily surprising to me, but I also thought that that a deal, if a deal hadn't been been struck yet, they would have just played this year out and then figured something out later. Maybe at the at the trade deadline that they send him somewhere else, they find a, right. a package that's suitable for Houston. Right. But now that Westbrook's gone, I could see Harden leaving soon in a trade. 
Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if another deal is imminent because Houston now pulled the trigger on getting off of Westbrook's contract. So now they don't have that to worry about. Now it's like, all right, if if this is what is going to make James Harden happy and he'll he'll want to stay now, great. If not, let's try and work out a deal to to get rid of him. We have John Wall and Boogie Cousins to build around, and let's see what we can do with that. Well, see, that brings up my my question is, if you're Houston – are you building around John Wall and uh, Cousins? I think you're going to have to, given the fact. Because you've, you've given up on Westbrook already. That experiment between him and Harden did not work, and so you've already shipped out Westbrook. Now do you ship out Harden, or do you keep him part of that equation? Because I don't know if he's if I'm Houston, part of that. If I'm Houston, I would want to give it a try with John Wall, James Harden, and Boogie Cousins. If I'm Houston, that's me. But see, the thing is that Westbrook and John Wall play a very similar game. Both explosive guards, scary in transition, but both of them don't really shoot well. And so with with Harden, if they didn't work with Westbrook, is it going to work with John Wall? They're necessarily the same player. The only thing with John Wall is you don't really have that ego and that that MVP type mentality that you have with Westbrook. So, uh, so, so in that aspect, maybe it works there. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I think you have to. I think you have to give it a try. If if you're if you're Houston though, I'm a little confused of what you're doing because you've traded away Westbrook. Yeah, flawed experiment didn't work. But do you hang on to Harden because you know somewhere in Brooklyn they want him? But you're they, asking you're asking a lot in return. Does it, Brooklyn I, give you that, or does Houston lower their price? Yeah, but but see, yeah, but that's why I asked you. If they're building around John Wall and Cousins, maybe they lower their price just to get a piece to surround Cousins and, and Wall. Well, I think they're trying to stockpile draft picks for that purpose, and that's that's ultimately the price tag that's going to have to come down is the amount of draft picks coming back from Brooklyn. See, because yeah, the, the, I'm, the, I'm the, very you're going to have to you're going to have to throw players in to make the money work for Harden, and then it really comes down to what assets, what other assets is. Brooklyn willing to give up or is Houston willing to take on so yeah it's it's a very interesting dynamic in Houston to see what's going to happen and now they have a new head coach too and so uh that's I think one of the only things that we haven't talked about on the show uh, so far this offseason is the coaching carousel that has taken place and I'm really bummed Tyler isn't here uh to talk about it because I'm I know he wanted to talk about Steve Nash becoming a head coach. Um, and, I mean, just some of the, the moves that some of these teams made, I think were kind of shocking to me, at least. But let's, let's run through them. We'll start in Brooklyn with Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash was hired to replace Jock Vaughn, who was the interim head coach after the team let Kenny Atkinson go. Uh, Steve Nash is a first-year head coach. He's obviously two-time MVP in the league. He was a player development consultant or assistant coach or whatever with uh, Golden State, but this is his first time being a head coach. There was a lot of controversy or talk about the validity of his hiring and should it have gone to someone of color and did Kyrie and KD just make this happen? Like, oh, we want Steve Nash because it's going to be a free-for-all because he's a former player, blah, blah, blah. 
There was all that talk. But I think ultimately, yes, Kyrie and KD handpick Steve Nash. But I think it's because he's a great fucking basketball mind. I'm very excited to see Steve Nash as a head coach and and see what he does with a team. He did um, hire his former head coach, Mike D'Antoni, who uh, lost his job in Houston. Uh, so Mike D'Antoni is going to be one of his assistants. Jock Vaughn is going to be his lead assistant, who he's was taking over for. And then he also hired his former teammate and running mate, Amari Stoudemire, as another assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets. So, I mean, Brooklyn's obviously one of the most exciting teams coming into the season because they were getting Kyrie and KD back. And, and well, for the first time, because KD didn't play at all last year. But I'm really excited to see what Steve Nash and this coaching staff can do. Yeah, see, I'm I'm stoked that Nash got a gig. I really am happy for him. He One of the greater basketball minds, such a high IQ for the game itself. The only concern I have is that I just wish that that experiment of KD and Kyrie, that that doesn't spoil it for him. You know what I mean? Like, I think oh, he's it's going to be a fucking shit show. I know. I, I And that's that's the thing that scares me is because I want Nash to go in there and at least develop some of these young guys and 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 coach the hell out of this team. And I know he's going to do well, but this is experiment that could put him in jeopardy, his job in jeopardy. So, yeah, I'm just a little scared about that part of it. But other than that, I'm very happy that he got this job. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like what was Luke Walton supposed to do with a LeBron-led team? Like, that that's the thing is that he was putting in a very, you know, hard predicament where it was – it was he was trying to instill this new this new system on with these guys and get get their trust and stuff like that. It just didn't work. Yeah, it just did not work. I'm th- I'm going to keep a very very close eye on Brooklyn this season. I, again, you mentioned Brooklyn is that it's such a hot commodity to watch right now because you do get KD and Kyrie Irving back for their first season together, and you you get a new coach. So there's a lot of elements, but a lot of a lot can go wrong. Oh, a lot can go wrong in like, Brooklyn again, this year. Like, again, I have high praise for Nash, but what if he comes in there, like you mentioned Walden, he comes in there, and, you know, it's flat. What if, yeah, what if his system just doesn't work? So, yeah, same thing with KD and Kyrie. What if that experiment doesn't work? So there's just so many things that could that can go wrong, but yeah. also it could gel very well, and too. And he said that uh, Jacques Vaughn is going to lead the offense, and Mike, Dan, or Mike D'Antoni's going to lead the offense, and Jacques Vaughn's going to lead the defense. But, I mean, still, it's like he's the head coach at the end of the day, so it all falls on him. Yeah. Again, you can have your advisors, your assistant coaches and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you're calling the shots. And, again, you're the one on the hot seat. So, uh, you, yeah, your advisor's telling you to do this on defense, do that on offense. But at the end of the day, when the GM comes to fire somebody, it's going to be you. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be Dan Tony. It's not going to be Stoudemire. It's going to be you because you are the head coach. Yep. All right, the 76ers have i guess technically ended the process because i mean the process was really championed by brett brown and and sam hinky before him but uh brett brown was he was very adamant about the process and his time in in philly ran out because the process wasn't getting the results the front office was looking for and they decided to hire doc rivers and now Doc Rivers is joining the 76ers, who also hired Daryl Morey to run their uh, front office after he left 
Houston this offseason. So it's Daryl Morey and Elton Brand in the front office running the basketball operations for the Sixers, and then it's Doc Rivers on the bench as the head coach. And they've got Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and now Josh Richardson, Seth Curry, and some other guys, and they're they're going to compete in the East again. But so, see, all, all these all these things, that doesn't say wow to me. It's just interesting. I don't know how you feel about it, but, yeah, them getting Doc was just, oh, okay, cool. Honestly, I'm surprised Doc got a job so quickly. After the way it after collapsed the, for him? After the way it ended in yeah. in Los Angeles with the Clippers. Well, I, I thought he was potentially going to take some time off just himself personally. I didn't think he was going to be uh, so eager to to get back into coaching, but when when you when you still have the itch you still have the itch but i mean like brooklyn i'm gonna keep a close eye on philly because i mean daryl morey doesn't have the greatest track record with houston he wasn't able to get the job done there going up against golden state all those years and look at Doc. and now the lakers and look at doc's track record yes he won the championship in boston but he's blown three three one leads in the playoffs Look at his track record of what happened in Los Angeles with the teams he had and the talent that he had and the expectations those teams had each year, and then they never got out of the second round. He's another coach that's in a very hard position, too, because you fire Brett Brown, which in my in my opinion, I think you did the wrong thing there for Philadelphia. I thought he did. No, I think it was time. I, I, I think I, you needed some new blood. But, see, I don't really think he was the issue. I've never liked that pairing of Embiid and Simmons. Well, and that's the question. One of those guys has to go. I've, I'm surprised that one of them hasn't gone already because I thought with Maury and Rivers coming in to Philadelphia, I thought you that You make men, a change for it. Yeah, I thought one of them was going to be – I thought Embiid or Simmons would be gone to make sure that they could have their style of basketball that they wanted. As long as they continue that experiment between Simmons and Embiid, I think everybody's on the hot seat. You have the GM on the hot seat. You have the coach on the hot seat. Well, and look, yeah, it's itself. because of what it took to get those guys exactly. and, and the results that have happened since getting those guys. You wanted to stay with the process. That's great. Look at where it got you. There was some success there. But now you've fallen short of the playoffs uh, of, of getting to the finals. So you know what I mean? So you wanted to compete with Milwaukee and the Miami Heats and such. Bro, Boston, you, you Toronto. Could, you couldn't even beat Boston. You got yeah. swept by them. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I mean, Philly's a very interesting situation. So is Brooklyn. I think their success begins when one of those guys is not there. I don't care who it is. If it's Embiid who leaves first, or gets shipped out first, or if it's Simmons, but one of those guys has to go. Yeah. So speaking of another dysfunctional situation. The Los Angeles Clippers, they had to replace Doc Rivers, obviously. They promoted his lead assistant, Ty Lue, to head coach. Hmm. But with the stuff that came out today about the Clippers, I just... It I, shows you why I, they had a breakdown. It, it shows you why they had a breakdown. It, for those that don't know... For those that don't know, the team had well I, I don't even i don't even know where i was going with this basically an article came out in the athletic today it was a bombshell article basically explaining some of the inner workings and intricacies of what happened last season with the with the los angeles clippers and um 
basically some of the stuff I wasn't surprised by, like Kawhi and Paul George getting some preferential treatment, but it's... And that pissed off other Clippers players. That's where the problem was. Yeah, because now your, stars, team, your team chemistry is all screwed up right. after that. Stars getting preferential treatment. That's understandable. It happens on every team. But the problem was players other than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George began to question some of those special privileges that those two guys were getting. And they weren't really questioning Kawhi because Kawhi is a three-time champion, two-time finals MVP, or two. he's a two-time champion. Well, Spurs and, Spurs uh, and, Toronto. and, and Toronto. He's a two-time champion, two-time finals MVP, and Paul George is none of those things. But Paul George was being treated as such. And it so other players began to question it. And so that's really where the tension was and there was no chemistry. And then Paul George goes on all the smoke, and I think the episode is supposed to come out tomorrow, but the, some clips came out on YouTube and on uh, on the Internet Paul George completely threw Doc Rivers under the bus. Oh, he, did he ever? For saying that the team didn't make any adjustments, the team never practiced, but that was one of those special treatments that him and Kawhi Leonard got with basically having free reign on having the ability to cancel practice whenever they wanted, blah, blah, blah. But basically, Paul George said that Doc Rivers used him wrong. Yeah, that he didn't utilize him like he should have. Right. He said he was trying to play him like J.J. Redick or Ray Allen. Yeah. Here's my thing, though. Paul George is in his first year with the Clippers with a new team, a new coach, a new system. Paul George didn't buy in. He didn't buy into the system. If he felt he was being used wrong, he didn't buy in. Uh, I think it was Kevin O'Connor. I'm going to pull up this stat. But basically, here's what it was. Paul George basically said, uh, he said this on All the Smoke. He said, Doc was trying to play me as Ray Allen or J.J. Redick, all pin downs. I can, I can do it, but that ain't my game. I need some flow. I need some mixes of some pick and roll and post-ups, dot, 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 uh, that last season was hard. Kevin O'Connor, who is an NBA writer for The Ringer, he retweeted this tweet, and he said, interesting comment. Paul George finished 33% of his total plays using the pick and roll, which was a career high. He said Paul uh, Doc Rivers didn't use him in the pick and roll. A 33% of his plays were pick and roll. That is a career high for him. His previous career high was 25% in OKC. That's very different from a J.J. Redick or Ray Allen-style role like Kevin O'Connor is saying. Well, the thing is with this Clipper squad is that after the way they fell in the playoffs, because it was a complete upset, you start to point fingers at everybody. And if you're Paul George, yes, this is your first year, so you don't want to look like the jackass. Who else to, who else to blame? Look at all the new guys on the Lakers and what they did and bought into Frank Vogel's system. What happened? They won a championship. Well, that's, that's a different story, though. That's because of the culture you have there with a player like LeBron. You buy into a system like uh, with LeBron because you've seen his track record. You've seen where he's been. You were supposed I mean, that... And if you go back to all of his other teams in Miami, Cleveland, his second time in Cleveland, 
You look at all these players, all the role players, you know, um, even even the damn bench warmers, they all buy into a system and they all buy into a role. Nobody bought in for the Clippers last year, and that is why they lost. No, the thing is with the Clippers is because they were so high and mighty coming into the season. Yeah, they made good uh, additions to their squad. Yes, they had good players. And yeah, they did get Kawhi uh, Leonard and Paul George. That was enticing enough for them. They thought that was going to get them to the playoffs. It did, but they fell short, though, because they did not have a system like the way the Lakers did, the way the Heat did. Steve Ballmer thought money would solve their perennial problems, and it's not going to. Well, I don't think it was so much money. Yeah, he he was trying to sign these these big-time guys, but I think he was just trying to make this elite squad where you had – Pat Beverly and you had Montrez coming off the bench. You were trying to sign. Those were the guys that were most excited about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming. But then those are the guys getting upset that they're getting preferential treatment. Yeah, that see, this is where the team chemistry is all, all screwed up. Another part that I think I don't know if you mentioned it, but these guys were getting time off whenever they kind of wanted to. Yeah, they had free reign on canceling practice. Yeah, the the, the practice and um, it was the load management crap that really pissed off these other Clippers players. Yeah. Because if you're Pat Bev and if you're Lou Will and and Montrez, those are your three other key guys. You're over there playing your ass off every game, and do you get loaded management time? Well, and here's the thing: Doc Rivers' adjustments aren't going to change Kawhi Leonard and Paul George shooting ten of thirty-eight in the fourth quarter, or in Game Seven against the Denver Nuggets, and it's not going to help that Paul George is shooting threes off the side of the backboard. No, see right there you can't blame Doc Rivers. You came to the playoffs, that's what you guys that's what you guys wanted, that's what the expectations were, correct? Yeah, you guys were there. But then you guys get embarrassed by a Denver's Nuggets team, not taking any credit away from them. But if you look back a couple seasons before, Paul George disappears in the playoffs. When he was with OKC, they got outperformed by a team with Ricky Rubio. Yep. Uh Rudy Gobert. And Donovan, Do- Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell and a, a couple undrafted players. You let Joe Ingles show you up. Torched him. Yeah. Scrappy defender, but a great shooter, though. But what I'm saying is that he's disappeared in these playoffs. Yeah, he always where the, does. Where the hell was he in that Clipper series? I cannot find him in that series. I stopped taking Paul George seriously when he said he grew up a Kobe fan, but wasn't a Laker fan. Like, wasn't a real Laker fan. After saying he wanted to come play for the Lakers the offseason before. So yeah, because it, there was always talk of him going to the Lakers the, from Indiana. The Clippers, they they have a lot to deal with, and I'm very interested to see how Ty Lue handles this because with him as a head coach now, like Steve Nash, it's on him. He's the head coach. He's had that experience as a head coach with LeBron. They won the championship. All that was great. But there's a difference, though, with this situation. This Exactly. This is a much tougher challenge. You don't have LeBron on that team. No, you don't. So it's, I mean, I think Ty Lue was the right choice for the Clippers, promoting him from lead assistant to head coach to take over for Doc Rivers. I, I think that was the right move. But I just, I don't see the Clippers being better than they were last year. Because if you take those two superstars with LeBron and Kawhi Leonard and his year with LeBron when they won that title, you have a very vocal leader in LeBron. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard is not that kind of guy. Yeah. And especially with this team, what they went through last year. Well, and that was that was the thing. That was another thing in the article. It was like when Marcus Morris ended up with the Clippers from New York, he, wanted, he came in and basically started – barking 
around orders to people as and like wanting to be a leader and it just it wasn't received well so uh it's i mean this nba season is going to be so much fun there's so many different storylines with all these teams um it's it, to me it was just funny to see that article come out and all the excuses that george had because because excuse for, after excuse because for years everybody was pegging him as this superstar that you pair him he was up with an another, mvp caliber player yeah but I've never considered him that. Yeah. I've never I never have. He's always been that that B guy to me. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, but all right, we got a few more to talk about before we get out of here. Uh the Houston Rockets, they're replacing Mike D'Antoni with Dallas Mavericks assistant Steven Silas. That's uh Paul Silas's son. Um obviously, he just got some new player or a new player uh in John Wall today. Um I mean, it's cool seeing assistants get their first chance being uh, a head a coach. G- it's a tough gig, though. This one is a very tough gig. So, it, I mean, all the best to, to Steven si- Silas, I guess. The The next one is the Pelicans replacing Alvin Gentry with Stan Van Gundy, who hasn't been a head coach in the NBA since 2018 after he got fired from Detroit. This move is interesting. That one was a head scratcher to me because again I thought Gentry did fine there. It's just tough because that that Well team- no, Gentry he'd been there for about 5 years. He couldn't really get them over the top. He couldn't get them over the hump and I mean, I agree. This move is confusing to me because I don't think Stan Van Gundy's the right job for this young or the right guy for this young of a team. Yeah, I don't think he's the answer. I'm very I'm very interested to see what the Pelicans look like this year minus Drew Holiday. They're going to have Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe, I believe, starting in their backcourt. And then they got Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. So it's, I don't know. New Orleans, I don't know if they make the playoffs this year. I don't I don't think they do. Um, I think Phoenix, Phoenix takes their spot of what could have been theirs. Yeah, probably. But, but I think Van Gundy's the odd man out as far as the age group. You want to develop a young team. I don't think he's the answer to that. Yeah, I I don't think his system really translates to today's game. But hey, I'm look at what Frank Vogel was able to do after getting bounced in Orlando and but, the time <laughs> off that he had. But the thing is, a common denominator is he has LeBron and players like AD. I guess yeah. So you you have you have leaders on that team. I don't know who is that leader on this Pelicans team. Not yeah, not anymore with Drew Holiday being gone. Yeah, you you have no you have nobody. Is it? Is it uh, Ingram? Is it Zion? I mean, I think it's Ingram's team right now. Well, yeah, but again, not a very vocal guy either. When he was with the yeah. Lakers, if you're not report- wrong about that, if, yeah, if you're a reporter interviewing him, it was the toughest thing to to get two answers out of him. Yeah. So I don't think he's he's that vocal leader on that team. Yeah. Uh, all right. OKC is replacing Billy Donovan with uh, one of his assistant coaches. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I believe it's Mark Di. Nolt, I think the G is silent. Uh, Lil Wayne said, "Real G's moving silence like lasagna." So you're gonna use that as a reference? That's, yeah, that's so fair enough. I'm gonna go uh, Dynolt. So Mark Dynolt, I, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name there, sir. But uh, like Stephen Silas, first time head coach here in the NBA, he's in a re like he's a part of a rebuilding franchise. I think this is a better scenario. For him as a first-year head coach than Steven Silas getting pushed into all the drama that is revolving around Houston, 
OKC, they have, I believe it's now 17 first-round picks till 2026. They have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, OKC is going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference, so, I mean, I'm not really expecting much. Well, they were already them. interesting last year, too. Nobody expected them to even make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, let's see what kind of jump Shea takes, but I don't think it's going to be enough to propel them into the playoffs without Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I think those are two key pieces and they, they lost, lost Steven Adams. Yeah, that's another one. That was, who's in who's in New Orleans. That was their top rebounder right there. Yeah. So, all right. Chicago, they're replacing Jim Boylan with former Oklahoma City Thunder head coach Billy Donovan. Um, Billy getting another chance in the NBA. I like it. Yeah. Chicago's a young team. They got some good pieces. It's just a matter of can they live up to their potential? I mean, Zach Levine is a great young player. Laurie Markkinen has the potential to be a great stretch big in this league. Wendell Carter Jr. has a potential to be a good big in this league. So at Chris Dunn is, is is a crafty little point guard as well. So I, I think I think that was a good move by Chicago. I really like that move yeah. by getting Donovan because you saw what he was doing with the youth in OKC. More or less, you know, when Westbrook yeah, was Jim there. Yeah, Jim Boylan wasn't developing that no, talent. That he had no control over stagnant. that locker room. Uh, the players didn't really have respect for him as a coach. So it, I think you get success with uh, with Donovan there. Yeah, I, th- I think Billy will be able to turn it around a little bit in Chicago. And then the Indiana Pacers are replacing Nate McMillan with Toronto Raptors assistant Nate Borgren. Uh, first time head coach uh, again, Indiana. They got Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon. They still got Miles Turner. They, I think, are going to be gunning for a playoff position. So it's going to be. They were already in that spot. Ex- yeah. Except that Depot blew his knee out, and then he yeah, had his Oladipo injury. had his injuries. But with him coming back in full strength, if Borkin can get the players to buy into his system, I think that Indiana still is in the playoff hunt in the East. Yeah, I think I think they're still in that four to five slot. Yeah, we'll see. And then, all right, the last one, the New York Knicks. The good old New York Knicks. I don't even know why we bother with this team. That's why I saved them for last. They're replacing interim head coach Mike Miller, who took over for David Fisdale. God, I feel like, I mean, David Fisdale got fired, I think, what, like maybe within the first month of the season, and then he didn't last. It feels so long ago because of the shutdown and the season stopping in the middle. Uh, But... They are replacing uh, Miller and Fisdale with none other than former Chicago Bulls head coach and former Boston Celtics assistant coach, Tom Thibodeau. Oh, and I guess former head coach of Minnesota uh, of the Timberwolves, Tom Thibodeau. As as good of a coach as Thibodeau is, I don't think he does a dent to fix that uh no, that coaching is that not the issue. Functionality in, in that in that in that organization, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even find words for it because I, I take that back. I said coaching is not the issue in New York. I take that back. It's one of the issues. It's one of the issues. Yeah. It's not the main issue. It is. It's not the root of it at all. No, but it is one of the issues though because some of the coaches that have passed by in New York, they haven't really gotten the job done. Yes, they've been handed some poor tools. Yeah, they haven't really been set up for success. No, they they haven't. So they've they've again they've kind of gotten the short end of the the stick there too, but the root of it we already know what that is. Oh, it's James Dolan. Exactly. 
So if if as long as that team exists under his management, it's always going to fail. Yeah. So I mean, Thibodeau, he's a great coach. Obviously, the the thing with him is he kind of burns people out after a while. His coaching style, it's very demanding. He burns has been known to burn players out. I think that was the issue in Chicago. And then in Minnesota, the young players weren't very receptive to that style of coaching, and so it didn't work. So, I mean, I don't know how it's going to work in New York. New York isn't really a place that has seen a lot of success. It's not a desirable coaching job either. It is if you want to live in New York. Right now, I wouldn't want to do that anyways. That, see, what that's what's crazy. Like, the Knicks are supposed to be a desirable like place yeah but really think about it when was the last time they were relevant very, not, and uh, very relevant not in our i mean in our lifetime with mellow but like i see even then i wouldn't i wouldn't even put put them in that category yeah so my my personal opinion i think that the last time they were relevant was in the 90s yeah with pat riley yeah that was the only time i think they were relevant with mellow yeah they had a little spark here and there but i was never, they won 60 games with him i was never impressed though by that team like that team wasn't scary to me. Yeah, the, that's the, right. the team in the '90s, you get the hell out of their way. Oh yeah, yeah. There was there was no stopping that team. It was it, you, you feared them when you played them. That's what I mean. They were very relevant then. Since then, maybe Thibodeau brings that grit back though. I really hope he does. I I want to see New York succeed so bad, but it's so tough when they draft poorly every year. They get unlucky in the draft. Yeah, I mean they were supposed to have a top pick and they ended up with eight. Yeah, that's that's unluck <laughs> right there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of new faces and a lot of new places as far as the head coaches go. And really, all over the NBA, this offseason, it's been a frenzy. Like we've said many times, free agency has come It hasn't very disappointed quickly. this year either. No, it hasn't disappointed at all. And then, obviously, with the news of Russell Westbrook getting traded to the Wizards for John Wall, that's... The biggest trade, I think, so far of the offseason, minus the Drew Holiday and um, De Dennis Schroeder trade, and then obviously the Bogdan Bogdanovich mishap with Milwaukee and Sacramento, and now him ending up in Atlanta. This is, I think, takes the cake as the major headline for the offseason so far. This is by far the biggest trade. Yeah. And it's honestly the most interesting, too, because you're going to see these two guys in two new systems, two new cultures. They both got a lot to prove. And they definitely have a lot to prove. And I think for Westbrook, it's you've had chatter about about your game, how it hasn't worked with other players, whether, you know, whether it be with Paul George or when you played with KD and Harden in the initial stint in OKC. Now you go into a fresh start in Washington, and you have another dynamic player in Beal. And like you said, you have something to prove if you're Westbrook. And you got something to prove coming off of injury for John Wall. Yeah, with John Wall, because he was one of those explosive point guards, too. He was up there in the conversation of the Roses and the Walls. Uh, uh, oh, he uh, was arguably the, arguably the best point guard in the league for, yeah, for, for a minute one there. Point, still could not shoot a damn jumper, but still, he had the speed that was that was unmatched with other point guards. Yeah. So, again, you have something to, to prove if you're him as well. Yep. All right. That, uh, that just about does it. Uh, you got a shout-out before we get out of here, Jacob? Uh, no, not this week, yeah. All right, well, I wanted to save this one for last. I'm shouting out LeBron James for signing a two-year, $85 million extension with the Los Angeles Lakers. 
this means that LeBron will be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers until 2023. That is the same offseason that his son, Bronny James, could potentially enter the NBA draft if the one-and-done rule gets overturned. So that is something to watch out for. Um, just an interesting note that I had to point out. I, I pointed it out on some of my social media earlier. But how fitting is it that the day LeBron James gets announced that he's signing a two-year, $85 million extension with the Lakers that keeps him with the Lakers, I believe, until his 39-year season or even 40-year season. Uh, it'll be his 20th year in the NBA uh, in 2023. So it's interesting that the news comes out the same morning that all of the stuff about the Clippers and Paul George throwing Doc Rivers under the bus. It's just interesting that it all comes out on the same day and the Lakers are back on top and the Clippers are once again circling the bottom of the barrel as they should. So, all right, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pachulki, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.